are here on the Back Pocket Podcast with Emily Rooney, um, who we got to know, and I want to start here, Emily. Uh, we got to know you for the first time in the ice water at Embrace North. Is that that's correct, right? That is correct. Yes. So the singing and the chanting at what is it? What lake was that? Lake Cedar Lake, right? Cedar Lake. Yes. Cedar Lake. Yes. That is. I believe that is where we first met. Um, shout out to Jason Coons for convincing me somehow to do that um but it's also super addicting so thank you guys for letting me part of it you still do it yes we do uh i'm not as uh much of a savant in the actual lake anymore but i do (laughs) go to embrace north and i'll go in like the ice tubs where it's a little more controlled environment you gotta go back to the lake authentic wim hof status i know i mean it's it's that time of year again where i see it a bunch on social media and uh, Luis is leading his crew out there. And I'm like, oh, I'll probably out and I'll definitely get a calendar invite, not a text message, not an email, just a calendar invite from Jason Coons. Yeah. And, it, and it'll just pop up and I'm like, all right, this is my sign. I got to go. Forward <laughs> it to me. I'll try to make one. Yes. Yeah. It's so I just think it's really funny because I was thinking about that today. Like that was uh, that was like the staple of like. <laughs> the branding of Embrace North for a while was the the song that I made up on the spot while we were in the in the ice bath. Oh, you made it up that right then? Yeah. Well, I had thought of it um, earlier that day, and I was like, it would be really cool if we did a chant while we were in the in the t- uh, in the ice or in the lake because you know uh, who else is like Wim Hof has some chants. I don't know what he was doing, but Aubrey Marcus they had some chants, and I was like, it'd be really cool if we had something of our own with embrace north and so that's it's awesome that you were there for that day that was like our first ever viral tiktok video uh (laughs) that was the first time we were ever featured on the news that was like yeah, that was really cool and my competitive nature of course is like i need to be in the last group like i wouldn't get out until the last person got out and i'm like we were in there for like 30 minutes weren't we yeah we did like 25 that day and i thought crazy like that yeah yeah, that was probably one of the longest times I've ever done it to date. And I don't know if the lake is colder, but it's definitely more intimidating when you're walking out in your bare feet or in your booties on that ice, on the frozen ice, and then you drop into the saw cut ice or in the saw yeah, cut right. water. Gnarly. I'm excited. I'm going to try that again. Probably, you probably don't get to do that in Arizona. No, not definitely at all. not doing that in Arizona. <laughs> No. I tried to uh, make a um, like I bought a horse trough. Uh, it was like 300 gallons, and I was gonna just make my own ice bath. And I work at a nuclear power plant, and we have um, all kinds of just like ice machines everywhere, um, or just like big gas station sized ice coolers where you grab like yeah. the ready ice out. So I was like, this is perfect. I'm gonna be able to like make this happen, and I you know, trial after trial, I just was never able to get the tub like colder than like 50 degrees. And my boss explained it to me. He's like, Declan, you know, if you take a cup of water and you put ice in it, how much, how much ice are you putting in it to actually get that ice, that water cold? And I was like, well, you fill up pretty much the majority of the ice cup or the, the pretty much the majority of the cup with ice to get the, the water cold. And he's like, okay, now do that in comparison to your 300 gallon horse trough how many uh, how much ice do you think you're gonna need and when you think about the fact that it's 120 degrees out in the summer when you really want to do it how are you gonna pull this off so never really ended up getting enough ice put it that way (laughs) it just became a a lukewarm bath i think we did it once or twice a couple summers ago um tried the same kind of thing i don't think it was a horse trough it was like from menards and Jason would come with like six bags of ice and then yeah, same kind of thing. Didn't, didn't quite work. And then he'd have to go to the gas station and get six more bags for the next person. Yep. That sounds like Jason. Yep. And I ran into, and I know where this is, this is becoming the Jason Coon story, but I ran into, um, Josh King, um, uh, a few days ago at, um, the Masonic, um, children's hospital fundraiser party. And, uh, I hadn't seen him. I bar- I've barely met him. I met him one time and was also in the, in the lake. Uh, but but uh, someone pointed him out to me and I was like, I was in your backyard 
and uh, Jason Coons had a chainsaw and he was cutting out his own hole in the lake for us all to get into uh, get in it. I mean, Coons is definitely the guy that is just he's drip lining it. It's not his business. He's not trying to, you know, bring any attention to it, but he's going to bring as many people under the radar to the ice water. <laughs> I love it. Shout out. So I have too to, funny. I have. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. No, you go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to, you know, maybe contextualize who Emily Rooney is a little bit. I'd like to start there. Just like your background. Uh, obviously we met in Minnesota. I know you're, I don't know if you're from there necessarily, but I know you worked for the Vikings for a handful of years, but um, who is Emily Rooney for all of our uh, marketing interns or listeners out there? Oh my gosh. Well, nobody impressive. So I don't want people to think they're coming on and listening to a a celeb podcast here, but, um, so Emily Rooney, like you said, um, we met in Minnesota. I am from Minnesota. Um, grew up in Red Wing, Minnesota. We make really awesome shoes and boots if you're familiar. Um, and school in South Dakota at South Dakota state, uh, transferred my senior year to Washington, played volleyball at schools. Um, after school, I did a few jobs in the athletic department. I ended a job with the Seattle Seahawks. So worked there for a year and as an intern um, in 2011. Can, did you guys hear my computer ding? Yeah, that was that sweet. Somehow. No. Um, okay. <laughs> like, um, got a job with the Minnesota Vikings in 2011 and worked there for 10 years. So, um, yeah, my, my journey kind of starts in sports, stays in sports. Uh, I worked in, um, for an agency, um, in 2021, spent some time with the Seattle Kraken and then just in June started with the big 10 conference. So I've been with the conference just about six months. Um, yeah, so it's, it's nice to meet you guys. Um, I don't know what else what else i should say do we edit this no we don't edit it I, this is okay. perfect i mean that's that's the background um, um i would like so um thank you for that and uh <laughs> the theme of like this uh series of podcasts that we'll be releasing over the next few days um is circling um mental health as that's been um, our fundraising efforts um, this holiday season, Masonic, and what they're uh, doing to increase uh, the the programming for children going with mental health. Um, so I think this is really cool that we're all college athletes, um, and you're seeing more and more professional athletes, even college athletes, uh, come out and show their support and the way that they are um, handling all the pressures and stresses that was you know thrown under the rug for so long. Um, and you kind of just have to have that like uh, grit to get through it, and you can't really address anything on, on the struggle side of things with mental health issues. Um, so you said you went to Washington State, correct? Uh, and yes. played vo- and played volleyball there. Uh, that's a high level program playing Division One volleyball. Um, what was that like? And did you like encounter anything in the realm of struggling with mental health? Yeah, that's an interesting question because my teammates and I actually started talking about this um, a lot more recently, and how we all kind of have admitted recently. Um, to a lot of the mental health struggles that we were facing as college athletes, um, but at the time, not even realizing it. Um, so I, I remember my freshman year coming into my um, one of my teammates' dorms, and it was after there was like a national uh, natural disaster in Japan. There was like a really bad t- uh, tsunami, and. I went into her room and I was like sobbing and I was like, did you see the tsunami? And she was like, what is wrong with you right now? And I was just like, I don't know, like the world. I just was like, I like had this total meltdown about like everything that was wrong in the world. And for years after that, we like referred to that as my like uh, chemical imbalance that I was going through at the time. And then we would laugh about it. And now like years later, we're like, that was like probably a, a little bit of a mental health situation happening, but we didn't know. We didn't even know like what to call it. And like um, one of my girlfriends, Amy, who was a middle with me, we talk about it so much now how it's like we were we were all dealing with like anxiety and probably some depression and just different issues. 
that we didn't even, it didn't have like a title then, or if it did, we didn't believe that it was something that it was affecting us. Um, And so I'm really happy that now college athletics are talking about it. And at least, I mean, at the big 10, we have, every school has um, at least one, I think probably at least two or three um, folks on their staff that are specific mental health experts and psychologists and psychiatrists that their student athletes are encouraged to um, meet with weekly, daily, however much they need to. And, you know, another thing that I'm reminded of is my senior year or my fourth year at South Dakota State before I transferred to Washington State, um, we had a baseball um, student athlete who was in our friend group. He was actually my roommate's boyfriend who died. And um, it was right during fall camp. So we were all, we were all dear friends with him. And we had to just continue. We had like a tournament that weekend and we went and played and came back for a funeral and went on our way. And like not one time was there anyone that came to the gym or to the dorm or anything and said, like, if you guys need to talk to someone, like we have help for you, like not one, like thankfully my coach and my coach's wife were fantastic people and they still are. And they were always there for us. So we would go and like talk about life and she'd cook for us and we'd pray together. Um, but th- we didn't have any like, you know, professional help. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy about the way that college athletics are going um, in that space for sure. Yeah. I think that's a great point that you touched on just like with what the big 10 is doing. Cause my sister coincidentally, and uh, might date all of us. She's a freshman at uh university of Pittsburgh. She's playing soccer out there. And, oh, awesome. uh, and, and she's also starting to become a mechanical engineer, like her older brother. And she was like, Hey, how do you even do this? Like there's so much of a workload that, you know, we're taking on here. And she mentioned to me how often that she talks to her therapist, but she talks to it, talks to me about it and talks about it in general, as if it's just like this thing that's always existed. And all of us here talking about like how it barely, like some of these feelings didn't even have definitions, let alone any support, um, you know, eight to 10 years ago. Uh, so it's crazy. Yeah. So and I, and I think what you just said, something is interesting. How you said it didn't didn't even have definitions. And I know um, even now people, you know, stop the stigma, like talk about mental health, blah, blah, blah. It's like, what does that mean? Like, is it for somebody who like me can say like, yeah, I do struggle with like mental health in certain areas. Um, but what about somebody who doesn't even know, identify, like, what is this feeling like? totally honest like then I woke up and I was like feeling like I was just a lot of anxiety today and like probably five ten years ago I would have woken up and been like why am I like jittery like did I drink something did I eat something like but now being able to say like this is what I feel and this is like what I need to do about it I think is super important and on top of that it's like a uh, um recognizing there's other people going through it you're not like by yourself you're like you're waking up you're having these feelings like i'm so different why am i like like why do i feel tense why do i feel overly stressed or something and i'm the only i'm the only one feeling it uh the more that people talk about it, i i watched um i think his name's lane johnson um he's a guard for the philadelphia eagles um but fox new uh sports did a whole segment on him and how he is like on the forefront with his team and like players are coming to him um to just like chat and like get things off his chest uh, or their chest, and it's just really cool how it, it's it's destigmatized, um, and you know, in a space that um, you talked about, you know, you lost someone in your uh, in your program or at your school, and it was just like a full steam ahead. We not, like we have to keep going, um, and uh, you just it was just normal for, I think grit is like the, a word that is, it's like overused in that sense. Um, and it's kind of intimidating a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's like, not only to be, um, to say like, oh, we have to grit, we have to get through it, but to say like, not only is it okay to feel this type of way, but like it's encouraged because it's like, oh, it's not just, oh, admitting I'm not 
great in this area. It's like, no, I am great. And I'm feeling this. So it's like, it doesn't make me or whoever it is like less gritty or less hardworking or less amazing, less successful. It just is part of what it is to be that rather than one or the other. Mm. Yeah. I think. No, I, I support that too. And I think there's like something to be said too about how you can handle some of these things intrinsically when you know what it is like the feeling of of this jitteriness or like this sudden like crazy rush of of fear and Mm -hmm. being able to associate that with like a panic attack or anxiety and just know that you are like having the knowledge of knowing that you're uh or like leveling with yourself that you are having a panic attack kind of sometimes makes the panic attack a little bit better just so you're not like reflecting and being like what the hell was that um so i think Sometimes just being able to know what you're working through intrinsically can help you level with yourself on like, you know, I am still a gritty person. I have lots of grit, but at the same time, like it's okay at times to feel certain ways, have panic attacks, whatever it ends up being. Um, I think that's, you know, just that having that in our realm today has definitely made things a lot better. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, one more thing on that is um you know people think i'm successful to feel this type of way i'm too busy to feel this type of way i'm too tough whatever it is um, that people know can share what they're going the better for who are coming up beneath them um I had an opportunity to chat with the University of Michigan's president, Santa Ono, recently. He's an, he's their new president, um, and he has he's super open about his mental health. And I would encourage people to look up the article that he wrote or that they wrote about him um, because he's like, you know, he tried to take his own life when he was 14. And he's like, if I'm not going to talk about it, like, you know, what's what good comes from from the struggle that we went through? And so I appreciate that folks at these high levels now are opening up about what they go through because then those of us who are still trying to, you know, achieve their levels of greatness are like, okay, I can, you know, acknowledge this and I can fight through this too. It's not like I'm here and the person above me never feels this way because they're too successful. They're too busy. They're too amazing. And I'm not like being able to uh, relate to people at all levels. I think is really important. Right. Yeah. And that's um, kind of a lot of what Andrew and I have unpacked or, you know, dove into with the back pocket podcast is just this idea that like, you know, we all have something intrinsically that's in our back pocket that we can rely on to just make us the best version of ourselves at the same time. Like we're also very average people. We have uh, various average qualities, things that we, even if we're like the best at something, we're still probably, there's still probably some room for improvement and that mindset kind of just helps you build on top of itself same thing with like uh, the president of Michigan or any of these like higher up people like a Kevin Warren or any of these other um, amazing people that we look up to. Um, they all have average qualities too. They, they all have situations or things in their life that if they're willing to share and sometimes they do on a, on a podcast, um, it helps just kind of relate. And um, that, that one moment, that one data point can make such a difference in someone's life uh, to just know that like, oh, this, although this person is, fantastic they still have leveling qualities that you know i can relate to and and use uh for myself so i love that you you brought that up on top of that too i just wanted to expand more um some like current day stuff that we're working on with like um it's it's kind of funny like as you worked with bce in the past and you know helped push tons of money to families and were able to tell those stories each year um and we've had obviously plenty of uh success and fun with that as well but then switching gears to like mental health and how we've talked about it now how it's like very recently defined (laughs) and it's very broad and it tells like a very broad story um it's it's been interesting as we've gone through fundraising to like define what we're doing uh because it's like one thing to just say hey we're raising money for mental health but there's like so much different things that mental health means to someone. So it's hard to, it's, it's not hard necessarily, but it's just interesting for us to find new paths and ways that we can basically have influence. It's interesting. 
Yeah, I think that's really cool what um, the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital is doing with the mental health space because now, like, think about that. We were like in our, you know, early 20s trying to figure it out. And now there's this opportunity for children. I mean, I don't know how young it goes, but I probably as young as they, they need to go, um, going to have this this resource. So I right. think it's an awesome, an awesome place to um, fundraise for. That's for sure. Right. And there's like even more levels to it too. Like it's, um, there's so many different systems and things that they're doing for people who have like very severe mental health. Like we had this video we posted on our socials the other day where it was this young girl who came down with like strep, but then the strep kind of like got into her brain and she was having like really brutal panic attacks and like wasn't really open to talking about any of it and was like having a really tough time. And then all of a sudden, like they do dog therapy, and now she's like totally in love, at, open to talking about all kinds of different things. Um, she goes and, and participates in some of the art and music therapy, loving to loving to learn how to play like the ukulele. And all of a sudden, she's in this like outpatient program, and now she's like back in school. All of a sudden, it's like life completely changed through like a, a couple different things over like the course of a year, and it 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 really opened my eyes to like how severe some of these mental health things could be. Um, and that's really, I think where a lot of the money is going to, to support those programs, but like how, like a simple, I wouldn't say a simple, but like a panic attack or just feeling anxiety about something like it relates to those people too. So like you, we have such a broad range of, uh, impact to make, which is, which is interesting. I love it. Anything that you can do with dogs and art, sign me up. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh my gosh. I'm in. Love it. That's in, that, that's incredible. And do you th- is there things that you find that like when you when you are um, like finding yourself a little anxious or is there are you are there like a series or a, uh, a set of things that you like to do to kind of find, like get yourself back to even keel? Yeah, I mean, I think it's cliche, but exercise for me is usually the best. Um, I'll, people make fun of me because I don't wear. Um, headphones when I work out. I just like raw, raw ears. Um, wow, naked yeah. ears. Wow, crazy. Yeah. Naked <laughs> ears. Though, that's better. Um, and but when I start, like I'll go head out for a run, and I feel like the first like few blocks, maybe like first even miles, scrambles in my brain, and then <laughs> trying to like figure out my thoughts and like what am I thinking, like bouncing from one thing to another, and. By the time I finish workout, like I have just like this clear, like and I can stay on like a single train of thought and I can like focus and I can come up with answers and I pull out when I'm running and like I just feel like that is an easy, um, I shouldn't say easy, it's like a good um, solution for me when I'm feeling that type of way. So by the time I get through the workout, like my mind is going to be cleared and I love that. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, it's weird. Like just when you exhaust the the body, like the brain kind of falls in line sometimes. Like, and I think yeah. that's what makes the ice bath and, and like doing plunges, like, so it, it levels you in a very similar way. Like the, the run never gets any easier. I know like it, it, you can get in more shape and like four miles and five miles get easier as you, as you do them. But like the ice tub in a very similar way, like it doesn't get any easier. It's still the same temperature and cold as shit. And you're still going to have those same fears or still same reservations going into your run or into the, into working out or anything like that. And I think, um, like just making that the conscious decision to commit yourself, like really helps your brain just kind of level out. Um, and it's kind of interesting too. like some of my clearer thoughts, I should say happen during workouts just like yes. I have so many, so much haze and all of a sudden like there's a, there's a clear thought that comes through and just stings me. It's great. Yeah. If you like, if you are trying to figure something out, like, oh, I got a just tough decision to make, like go for a run. I feel like by the time you're done, you have your answer. It's kind of like a little answer book. Go yes. for a run. You'll yeah. Yeah. And I, I've never been able to meditate, but the only times I'm able to actually like sit still or is after I'm 
again, cold water or uh, go at my place is altar. I'm an altar boy um, <laughs> down at, down in the North Loop, which is just a hit fitness, um, hit workout. And doing after that is the only time I'm actually able to like still myself and give myself 10 minutes of like silence and focusing on my breath. If I'm, if I like wake up and I try to meditate in the morning, I will like open my eyes, check my phone. And I just like, it's like, Hey, why can't I still myself outside of actual physical exertion? I'm not sure. Uh, but it is what this. <laughs> He's working on it. No, that is something that has helped with um, mental health. I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but in the morning, like I turn my phone on do not disturb and I don't look at it until I like shower, brush my teeth, like get my mind right. And then I'll check my phone. Um, I feel like that's that I found really helps. Um, I don't know if that works for everybody, but I have certain people that I'll still get messages for, even when it's on do not disturb, namely my boss. So if he needs me, I'll be sure that, that he can get a hold of me, but my, my parents and my sister as well. But, um, I think that that helps like, it's not meditation necessarily in the morning, but it's like, get my mind right before I dive into like all the craziness that we see on our screens. Yeah, there's definitely it's it's definitely high volume and it never stops and it's bottomless and uh, some of it's good, some of it's bad. Um, but you know, I think it's it's kind of just part of life, I guess. At this point, like you can't just not have your phone because you're using it to basically operate in every sense of it. But I think, yeah, like it, it, in the mornings, like having that peace of mind and going through your routine, and like even at night too, like. It's not great to be looking at a screen like two seconds before you go to bed. Um, you know, uh, Andrew and I have been picking up on, you know, reading fiction books before we go to bed. And I think that's been uh, quite, quite exciting. Uh, I started years ago reading like the Harry Potter series and just like yes. and just tore through one through seven in like two years. I think that's really at a really slow rate, but I think that's what I read it in. Um, and then not, those books are huge. They are. It's a lot of pages, you know, I, I don't, I, I like to think, but, uh, recently been, I've, we've been reading Dune, um, with, they, they just came out with a movie like a year and a half ago, I think. And it's critically acclaimed one of the best science fiction, uh, stories, novels, trilogies of all time. And uh, it is. It's confirmed that I'm on. Uh, I've heard good things about that. It's sick. Andrew and I could I'm talk not... about it all day. It's so good. Okay, I might need to add that to my list. I'm like a guilty pleasure, like murder mystery mm. type of book reader, and I I don't um, vary from those very often. <laughs> They're like all the same. They all kind of blend together, but. I love it. It's guilt, like a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Although, like, no pleasure should be guilty. I heard that quote recently. You should never feel oh, guilty. Oh, oh, all right. Sure. Right? That is interesting. interesting. Huh. Well, guess what? Read the shit out of those uh, those uh, guilty pleasures. <laughs> Read the shit out of those books, yeah. man. Who cares? <laughs> right. Um, but I will suggest. I'll send I mean, you like, guys one that you need to read. Yeah. Do you have a book to suggest? No, I'm saying I'll send one to you and you guys send me Dune mm, and we'll yes. Yes, a little book swap. I hear. Yeah, absolutely. I have I have my first Dune rented out to someone at the moment, but uh, yeah, it's it's six hundred pages of fun. It's probably one of my favorite books I've ever read. Oh, is that bigger than Harry Potter? Um, Uh, yes, yeah, one of them. Yeah, at least. But the the second one is only uh like two hundred and twenty pages. Yeah, two hundred thirty, two hundred twenty. Yeah, two hundred thirty pages. So if you get through the first, then the second one's like a nice little fun read. Yeah. But but in in hindsight, like if the first book is just so good, it's like it, it's it's kind of its own story in a sense, and things get crazy after that. But yeah, and I have it. Have you watched the show? Or wasn't it on Netflix? Or it was a it's a movie, and um, they are breaking up the the book into two movies. So the first okay. movie was half the book, uh, six hundred pages. They're like, we can't get through all of this, and they can't. Um, it's true, and they can't. Yeah, <clears throat> so. Uh, it's got all the big hitters in it. Timothy Chalamet is a lead role. Zendaya is in it. Um, I I love the Dune series. I could talk about it for hours. Um, but Dune, I, Dune, I another uh, movie I just watched on Murder Mystery. I'm curious if you read this book. I I didn't read the book. I think I'm going to now. Is where the crawdad sings. Oh yeah, I read that book. You read the book. So good, twice. 
Right okay. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about the book. I, I watched the movie and people are like, well, you need you should have read the book first. Uh, that's typically yeah. how it always goes. Yeah. Um, but but you should still read it because I think that there's a lot of gaps that it will fill that will fill in. Okay. Did you see the movie? Yeah. I did see the movie and it was good. Just like always get so excited for the movies after books I read and I'm always let down. And like, why do I keep thinking that it's going to be as good as the book. It's like literally never. Like there's not a single example mm-hmm. that the movie's better than the book. So. Amen. And one more thing with this, because I think this is super fascinating. And maybe this is my, what did I learn today? Um, is with uh, where the crawdad sings. Um, Reese Witherspoon um, like helped produce that movie. But she, um, her whole business model is brilliant. And I just like read about this recently where she has a huge book club. Um, and, uh, there's millions of subscribers on it. And now to get your book into her book club, um, she gets, she owns the media rights to that book and, uh, she's made now she's a billionaire because, uh, she flips these books into TV shows or movies. That's genius. Yep. And their books go like once they're inside the book club, she sells millions of them because of, Uh, well, yeah, I follow Reese's book club. I read like all the all of the books, but that's genius that she's like, if you want, you want your book to be in here, that's really you smart. can have it in here for free. But I'll take the media right, so you make all the money off the sales of the book. But then she just flips it into a movie. Wow, oh, it's brilliant! Wow, oh, Reese Witherspoon, are you kidding me? It's insane. Right. It's so cool. See, I want to know what Re- I want to know what Reese's struggle with mental health is. You know, because I just want to. I want to know what what she what is a famous person struggle with, like just not being able to walk outside and just be recognized. I feel like that would be so be like. Well, I can like, confirm. Well, she did struggle at one point with being a, uh, a lawyer in a man's world. Um, <laughs> she didn't struggle. She dominated. She had to dominate. Yeah, she kicked everyone's ass. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's, awesome. uh, that's great. Um, so I guess I wanted to ask a little bit more of questions in regards to your, um, just your occupation. Cause I think it's super fascinating, um, with what you've done. I mean, you've had your history with the Vikings and I, you connected with Kevin Warren then I would imagine. Right. And then you went to the Kraken, which that's probably sick. Just being a part of like the beginning of a professional team and then now being called back to work with Kevin Warren if for the big 10, like um, what do you like do on a day-to-day basis? Let's start there. Like what's, what's it like? What's life like at the big 10 right now? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions in there. Um, so I will start with Kevin um, who's like the greatest ever um love him love his family so so much so you're right I did I met him when I was working for the Vikings so I um after eight seasons of doing like sponsorship activations type stuff I had cover often uh, as his right hand person well um and it was awesome so I Actually, it was kind of basicated how he and I started working so closely together, even though I wasn't working in his office, was um, doing BCE with the team. And he is like such a generous person that he's always like, how can I help? How can I be part of it? So he came to it with us once. Um, Gosh, I don't even know what year it was. Um, But he came to our BCE drop and was like, this is great. We need to get more involved. Um, So I was going to loop him in a lot on on what we were doing there. And so, um, yeah, he asked me to join him and, and work for him. Um, and then he became the commissioner in, in 2019, um, moved down here to Chicago. This is, he just, um, had his third year anniversary of, of being a commissioner. Um, I stayed with the team for another two seasons. Um, but he and I stayed in touch almost weekly even after he left, um, and so it was always kind of the door was open um, for us to work together again. And we knew we would eventually. Um, and I think that is part of like my journey, even like my mental health story too, of, you know, trying a few different things and being able to come back um, and work for him at the, at the conference. Um, it was super important to me and it was 
it was the right decision. I think, you know, we make all these decisions and then we look back and you never have any regrets, but you wonder like, what did I learn from each decision I made? Mm-hmm. Um, and being back here with him at the conference is just like, I kind of, I kind of know why I made a lot of the decisions that I made up until now, because now it feels like, okay, the stars are aligned. We're back together again. And I'm working with him. Um, and it's, it's the best, like working, working for him is great. He cares so much about everybody that he works with and who works for him. So I'm like, like truly blessed to have this opportunity. Um, so to answer your question about what I do on a daily basis, it truly changes by the minute, by the hour, um, everything he needs to get done and, and more. And, um, so he has, me and he has his admin may who is like my total role model person um and we just work on everything he needs i don't know um this morning it was college football playoff meetings and bowl meetings and he spoke on a panel yesterday so preparing him for that he spoke to the media um getting ready for that <sighs> i don't it, it really does just change every day when you say like when- preparing him for a meeting like or sorry for a panel or like a press conference. What's the what's the work that goes into that? Um, well, like similar to how we, we prepared for this podcast, you know, like making sure he knows what they're going to talk about, and um, he doesn't need like any prever. He can go and like speak to a thousand people without having any notes or knowing what he's saying, and he will blow everybody away. Um, but kind of like practicing anything he needs to to do ahead of time. Um, making sure, honestly, making sure like yesterday, it was like, what do the chairs look like on stage? Like, is this like, it, does he need to pick out his outfit because it's going to clash with the chairs? Like making sure that there's water on the for him, making sure that like whoever he's meeting, um, his bio and vice versa. Um, yeah, it's like a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I would say, probably don't think about that goes into the stuff that somebody at his caliber does um so we just do whatever we can to make sure that his day is smooth mm. no i i mean I, we, I definitely hear you on that and, and we're we, we're dealing with that on a small level with what we're doing with the date night podcast and all the things that go on behind the scenes to make the show happen and then everyone's sitting there with headphones on like thinking there was no chaos before the show that started and everything looks smooth and i'm in the background trying to put out fire after fire but everyone's still watching the show and it's everything's still going smooth fingers crossed nothing goes wrong um yes it's like that except for like all things in life which is awesome and i and another thing with kevin warren that um i've only uh gotten to know i've gotten to know kevin uh by sitting next to someone who gets phone calls from him once or twice a year uh jonah stillman uh, was my roommate for three years and he worked with the vikes and he got to know I'm sure you worked with him at some point. Um, but like Kevin would call Jonah with no agenda and just to like call him and catch up. And I think, you know, Jonah is a a very successful person at 23, but still like a 23 year old just getting calls from Kevin just to catch up. It speaks volumes to who he is. And he's like, he just wants to like, you know, make sure that you feel like you're still part of his life. And he's like always aware of that. And I feel like he's doing that on, uh, a massive level. Oh my gosh, totally. That's such a good example of just like who he is as a human. And I think um, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday too, of like the people who do the right thing because they know people are watching them versus the people who just do the right thing because it's who they are. Um, and that's him. And I think, and, and May as well. And Greta, um, Greta's Kevin's wife and May's his, his assistant. And, um, I have just learned so much about like being a good person, just like being with them. I mean, I like to think I am a good person regardless, but like just the things they do and say every day is just like full of integrity and full of like grace and like faith. I I just, um, I'm blown away by it. And so being able to work with them every day is making me a better person. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kevin does, does stuff that people don't see and people don't know. And he just does it because he's a good person. Um, and so it is really cool that 
somebody at his level like still has that <laughs> yes, to them. It's super inspiring and definitely like something that I know Deck and I will be like back pocket's gonna be a global entity one day. Uh we're pretty firm on that. And like that, like uh we treat everything we do uh as we're a Ritz Carlton concierge staff. That is like our our mindset when we interact with anyone or like our team members interact with anyone, since we are in like the service industry and the entertainment space. Um, we want to make sure that they walk away um like happier than they walked in before. For, um, and they felt like they like had a valuable experience. Um, and it's not easy all the time because people like we're also dealing with some like entertainment chaos with dealing with like putting love on a stage on, on the stage. Like there's battles up there. Uh, but like that is our intention is like, let's be a Ritz Carlton concierge staff. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I, the way that we say it like in, in office is like start with the yes. You know, a lot of places you go, you'll meet someone or you'll go to a restaurant company or whatever. And you can tell that like, they kind of start with no, like they want to know, like they try to figure out like why you can't do something. Um, and we're always like, start with yes. So like the answer is yes. Um, even if the answer is no, like I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say, but we need to do it in this way. So it's really like a no saying it in a different way. Um, but like he, I mean, the answer is he's just, it's always yes, whatever. If somebody needs help or if somebody needs anything, it's always yes. Like, um, One thing and, that, and that's what you're saying in, in concierge too, like they're not going to say no. They're going to be like, oh, our spa is full today, but I can get you in tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yes. One thing, this is kind of a side note. One thing I heard you mention, do you call the, the Big Ten the conference? Is that, is that um, like a, a, a a uh, thing that everyone calls it inside uh, the Big Ten. Um, I think it would be like no, you mean kind of like the Ohio State? Yeah, or like I think it's the Big Ten. I don't know if there's other conferences. I just put this together when you said the conference, but I think it's I think it's like a unanimous thing. I think it's the conference. Well, well, thank you. I think I'd like to think that we're the conference too. Um, but no, there are other conferences. Um, I, I think I meant, the Southeastern Conference, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the Sun Belt. I just refer to it. I guess so. Maybe the American. But I like where you're going. I think ours is <laughs> the conference. I like got two that. teams representing the uh, the Big Ten in the college football playoff. I know. So that, that is when you ask like what I like, what's a day-to-day -day thing. It's like, okay, let's figure out how commissioner Warren can be in two places at once <laughs> and, right. and he, he won't be able to. So we're going to um, actually do something really else, something really cool. Instead, we're going to have um, a watch party at our office where he can name and invite um, alumni from both schools to come in and make it like kind of a cool experience. So that's awesome. That's so the conference. Cool. The conference. Yes. <laughs> like the, um, so we're, I guess related to that, were you kind of bummed that it wasn't Ohio State Michigan rematch in the, the semifinals? No. Now we have Ohio State Michigan in the championship game. Yeah, that's even better. You're kind of trading in something that could even potentially just having two Big Ten teams yeah. in the championship, that would be Probably a dream come true. Insane. And it, it could happen. Happen. I will say I am uh I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan for Georgia. We should do uh, that before I agreed to this. I had I had <laughs> to throw in that. Uh I had to. I, I just wa I went I was my celebrate Thanksgiving in Atlanta. Uh that's where my mom's family's from. And uh we went to the Georgia, Georgia Tech game in Athens. So I got to see Georgia in first person this year and uh that, They're pretty good. I don't know. We got some good teams in there too. Which okay, now everything's making sense. Your masters sweatshirt, your comment about the college football hall of fame, peach bowl. The peach bowl. Yeah. And the, and it's at the Mercedes Benz Dome. I mean, Georgia's kind of like it's another home game for them. Are you going? Um, I am not going. I went to the SEC championship last year and they lost, but then ended up still getting in the playoff. And, um, so I, you, yeah, my bad luck. I think I'm bad luck. Exactly. <laughs> it's in big games at the Mercedes Benz dome. 
I will be watching it here uh, with my Georgia gear. All right. Well, I don't want to hear about it. Go dogs. Sick them. Okay, but let, can we talk quickly about the mascot? What's that little dog's name? Uga. Uga? Yes. Like Uga Booga? <laughs> yeah. Well, like U G A, like the the skull. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I think I should have known. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a scraggly guy. I think this is, this is might be Uga the ninth. Um, oh. but he, he has the Uga best. Uga IX. Uh, Oh god, IX. He yeah, uh yeah. he's got this doghouse uh on the field uh that's fully air conditioned. Oh. And, and it's like no bigger than uh I don't know, just like an armchair. It's tiny. And uh it's air conditioned, and if it's really hot on certain days, they'll bring in ice bags for Oga to lay on. Uh he rarely comes out, but when he does, the whole crowd goes bananas. What a life. See, that that's the good life. That is right the there. good life. Oh, good the nice. Speaking of yeah. mascots, though, I would say the best co- one of my favorite college football mascots, like real life mascot, is uh, Ralphie the the buffalo. Yes. It, it wa- watching watching Ralphie run is and I and I watched Ralphie run at CU Boulder's lowest end, which was their last game against Utah uh, this year. Uh, before the Dion news hit and everything, but like just watching uh, just this Buffalo sprint out of the gates and we're just like, that's Ralph. And the people who like think they can somehow manage it. You're like, good luck with that. It is fantastic (laughs) show business. Being in the big 10, do you have any um, day to day with NIL stuff? Not yes and no. So it's probably five times a day that we talk about it and it touches us. Um, But what we're doing kind of at the conference level, Mm. the conference level um, is a lot different than what they do at the universities. So from, from our level, we can't necessarily um, put things into place because that's the NCAA's realm. Um, But we do, we have, we talk about it a lot. We talk about what, how we're, it's going to affect our student athletes. We talk about how we can get our student athletes involved in being on the forefront of it. We talk to our network partners and our corporate partners who want to be part of it. Um, it's it's really kind of wild, wild west right now of figuring out what can be done. Um, and so we're kind of at a learning phase and a research phase and a um, advocacy phase right now we don't have um we're not like making authoritative decisions for our universities that makes sense yeah i mean oh am i echoing no that was no you guys just you just said at the same time (laughs) you jinxed it no way um so with the nil and then the other thing uh transfer portal uh you asked me like i need to like well, I'm just curious, like, if, like if you're, you're, you're clearly, you know, you're on the front lines, um, and so watch what you say. This is a global podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, the 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 transfer portal. I mean, now it's like bigger than ever when you see things like Deion Sanders um, uh, moving to uh, Boulder and uh, all the. I mean, I, I, I think there was thirteen thousand college athletes and football that entered the transfer portal at the end of the season. There was some like crazy number. Um, like what what's that? What are, what are we thinking? Yeah. What are we thinking about this? Um, this is just, um, you know, forefront of my mind. Cause it's something we were talking about yesterday. Um, of just like keeping the student athletes well being like front and center in all this situation. So, um, and their education too. And that's what I think is most important is um, if you're having student athletes who are transferring in like multiple times and haven't even like gotten halfway through their credit load, like that's an issue. So I think, um, you know, navigating how the transfer portal um, works with like our, the student athlete academic advisors and making sure that the education is still number one as a student for athlete. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. remember like transferring credits from like 
a community college to like St. Thomas and <laughs> just how like much of a racket that is sometimes. Yeah. And if you're just like some athlete at Mississippi state and you want to go play at Minnesota next year, like what are those administrations needing to do to evaluate the syllabuses of like his classes that he took that semester? Like, is it going to just flop right over to everything that Minnesota's doing? Like I, it does, that seems just like an entire I guess a thing that is now needing to be figured out and streamlined, but I can only imagine how much of a headache that is. I know, and I'm glad that I'm not involved in that. <laughs> well, because yeah, like it's right. it's annoying because like some like university like uh, well, there's a great like, example. Yeah, um, that, like two months ago, they had the strictest transfer requirements in the country, um, and they. Uh, actually let like they they knew they were going to make this transition with Dion and the school changed the policies on oh, a bunch of different yeah. academic things yeah. to allow for the because they knew it was coming um that was like a, an article that I read the other day yeah I transferred before that it that was a thing so when I transferred I went through like the old school because I think it was the sport that I played I could have a one-time transfer rule I had to get approval so I had to like go in front of my um, athletic department at South Dakota State and get like approval to transfer. And so after I did, because I went with my coach, it was similar to what you guys are saying about Dan. I he went to Washington State, so I was like, "Well, I'm going with you." And so I was the first one to do so. And then two more gals after me tried to do it, and the university was like, "Nope, you got to sit out a year. Like we can't have the whole team transferring." Um, so the, the two other gals did have to sit out a year. Um, they were freshmen. I was a senior, so I think that probably had something to do with it. Um, but yeah, now it's, it's, it's so different now. I mean, I, I don't know what it would have been like if I would have done it back. The, if the rules now would have applied back when I did it, but it's certainly a lot easier now. No kidding. I mean, it's probably both easy and not easy, but I think just, um, I think the fact that it's, yeah, new, you're right. I think that it just, it makes everything, I don't know. I just like that it's new and the fact that like people are slowly trying to figure it out. And like, because it's the wild west, there are players that are not players, but just people in the system that are like winning in a big ways for whatever reason. If it's like you have winners, like massive booster schools, like Texas A&M that are just like paying up kids billions of dollars to just like transfer to their school. And then like all of a sudden you see like, Texas A&M the same year, just uh, they go four and seven, uh, and now all the kids are transferring. So it's just like they could they could do whatever they want, but there's you know different things that are good and I guess bad. But at the end of the day, it's I would say it's just very it's fairly average, um, which I'd love to you know cue us <laughs> in to um, ask the question uh, in a, in a staple of our show, uh, which is uh, the average quality and. I like to really frame it, you know, it's something that you do well at times and other times not so well. And at the end of the day, it's your average quality. In addition to that, it's something that like you really care about that you're kind of always focusing on to try and get better. And you're right. The way you're, the way you're getting better is just recognizing that it's, you could be better basically. So that's funny because I'm like, I'm average at like basically everything. If like very just average person. So I'm like, what am I average at? That's like a surprise. Like I'm average at everything. <laughs> um, but when you said that it's something that you wish you were good at or you want to get better at, um, my, my answer is dancing because I think I'm good sometimes. Um, but like, I'm really not good at it at all. Um, but I miss the part where you said, that like you could get better at it if you tried because I don't think I could get better at it. Okay, so I was going to say, let's unpack this. Have you been on the dance floor recently? (laughs) I went to a country bar in, um, what was it, MGM Grand last night and I was dancing and I was like, I'm really probably not very good at this. No, but at the time, while you were dancing, you considered yourself to be the best one on the dance floor. Because that's the only way to dance. Yeah, where is your confidence? Yeah, you're right. It is a confidence thing. Um, My confidence is low, but, you know, it doesn't stop me from doing it. Right. That's why it's your favorite quality. quality. There you go. You keep keep coming back. (laughs) 
I would say additionally, um, one thing that I really wish I was better at, because I know it's really good for you, is yoga. And um, I don't do it often because when I do it, I'm so average. I'm like below average um, that I get so mad. I'm like, this this isn't even good. Like, this sucks. I'm never doing this again. But I, I want to get better at that. Um, and then on like an actual like life, things that are probably – um, something I should be better at is journaling. We'll go on, I'll go in like phases where I'll like journal really well for a while and then I won't for a while. Um, so I'm putting that out into the universe too, that I'm going to get better at that. Nice. Yeah. That's, I would, I can relate to that heavily. I think the only way I really internalize something is if I write it down or reflect on it genuinely. Um, yeah. you know, I'm, I feel like, us guys are pretty good at making mistakes twice, maybe thrice. And uh, I've noticed that I don't make mistakes twice if I write it down, especially like with my sweet, sweet girlfriend, you know, bless her heart. Like I can't be doing the same mistake twice. And if I, if I'm now, nowadays uh, I definitely write things down and journal on my, my issues when I uh, do something wrong. So I, I hope she heard you say that. No, she, well, she'll be coming back. I think she's getting Chipotle for us right now. So I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> oh, remind her. Awesome. We'll make sure we clip that and send it to her for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, just to touch on the dancing real quick, I know, you know, Andrew mentioned confidence, but I also think there is a little bit of premier style that you could uh, maybe look into because, you know, line dancing uh, is tough. And that is pretty much what, you know, what you do at a country bar. Uh, if you are not completely in tune with what they're doing, it's 10, it's easy to fall behind. So I, I, I could see that being an issue now. You know, maybe attend a salsa class or maybe, uh, you know, you, you just go to a wedding and all of a sudden you're better at dancing than most because you're just very invested in it. Um, though, I would, yeah, my I would, dancing's like jumping down really loud. There you go. Perfect. And pointing. I do a lot of point dancing. Getting your hands involved is important. Yeah. People forget, <laughs> sometimes forget to use their hands. Yeah. <laughs> you, like the, the hands are great, but the hips are better. You got to use the hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast and like fast feet. Exactly. Oh. Don't get deck started on fast feet. Do not get deck started on fast feet. He's got the quickest feet out there. Yeah. Prove it. If you get sandstorm plan. Yeah. Just, he's got the quickest feet. Basically, when sandstorm ever, by Darude ever plays, I usually just do high knees in place and just make a dance circle around me of just me sprinting in place. And for some reason, it just catches fire. People love it. <laughs> I mean, to hang out with you guys, you can teach me how to dance. Uh, yeah, our, the the last thing with the dancing thing is our favorite thing uh, is we put these empty bottles on the middle of dance floors, okay. and we treat that as like an entity, like a, it's a it's a oh, sacred yeah, um, like that fire bonfire. Yeah, and now everyone, bonfire. Now everyone has something to kind of like focus on, and you lose sight of like what everyone's doing, and you're you're hopping over the bottle. Uh, people are just doing being nothing. That's really and, good advice. You just get you get everyone in a circle and give people. Thank you. Thank, that's really good advice. Next time you see me dancing, it'll be I'm gonna do that. Yeah, it's it's pretty inclusive. We like to uh, we like to do yeah. that. So, yeah, is what it is. Um, so, anyways, the uh, we that is like kind of our bag of tricks when it comes to dancing. Uh, you you would say per se that that those bag of tricks are stored thus in our back pockets, which is uh, pockets, taking me to my next question. My next question, uh, which is what is in your back pocket? And so this is a question that's basically uh, the staple of our show. Um, and I mentioned to it, alluded to it earlier, but basically it's like, you know, something that you rely on um, at, in times of stress or whenever you're down, you know, this is something that you'd kind of pull out to help you come out on top or uh, dominate whatever situation you're in. Yeah, I would say mine, you know, back to being average um, is not like a super power, anything like crazy um, mystery of the world, but for me, what I focus on um, when I think like you were saying, like in situations of pressure or in like areas where um, you might feel uncomfortable or you're feeling some type of way um, that I always kind of fall back on is just like relationships and what that is, whether it's like relationship building or like relying on the relationships I already have. And I think um, one of my superpowers is just like being able to make connections with anyone. And I think if you're in a situation where um, you're faced with pressure or you're faced with a difficult 
other person or a difficult situation or whatever it is, like most of the time, like you can get through it by just like having empathy and kindness. Like you're arguing with somebody at the hotel. I mean, I was just in a hotel, so that's why I was thinking about it. But like the situation is going to get diffused if you just like show empathy and kindness towards a person that you're with. And even if it's towards yourself or um, just recognizing the humanity in the other person. Um, and I, I think like, it's kind of like, I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit of like an awkward person and I kind of use it to my advantage to make build relationships with others because I think I can, um, either like find a connection, whatever it is, like, oh, we know this person in common or we have this in common or finding a commonality with, with whoever I'm with, um, I think is kind of like my back pocket. Like I know that I can, I can connect with, with those around me just by like showing empathy and kindness. Mm, that's really well said. That's really well said. I, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I, um, this has been like a really awesome hour. I think it's been an hour and uh, I don't, just over an hour now. Um, thank you for spending the time um, and, start, and kicking off um, our uh, series of uh, mental health. And, uh, you know, we started with jumping in the ice yeah. bath for a reason, because that is something that I think everyone should be doing. You don't need to be You don't need to be getting into a lake, but getting into an ice bath. Um, or how about that into will... an uncomfortable situation mm. that can refine yes. you? Yeah, exactly. It... Um, okay. Okay. So you would ask me about um, challenging someone to join. Yes. How do we forget that a, question? Yes. Yes. Thank you. I have an official challenge. Um, so I am officially challenging um, my dear friend Kyle Rudolph and his wife Jordan to join and share um, their mental health story, their story about what they're doing with the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital with Kyle's end zone there. Um, and I am tagging him here. You have to join Kyle and Jordan. I think having the two of them on together would be fantastic. Mm. Dude. I love that challenge. Challenge accepted. Challenge Absolutely. accepted. Yeah. We're coming for you, Kyle. I'm like, I'm about to challenge you to something and you have to say yes. So sick. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we have all of next year to book them. So, uh, you know, okay, I know, I know the athletes are like incredibly busy at this time of the year in December, but guess what? We got time in the, in the, in the turn of the year and we'd love to, uh, talk to him. So that sounds freaking fantastic. He with the giants, okay. right? Uh, Buccaneers. Buccaneers now. That's right. Oh, gosh. Good for him. Catching balls from the goat. Sick. And uh, uh, we have one final question before we let you go, though. Um, with uh, It's a simple question. It's something that happened today. Uh, what did you learn? Oh, my gosh. So this is funny because, again, I, I had said earlier I was in, in Vegas for um, a few different work events this week. And... I was like walking around the hotel and you know, the Bellagio, how they have um, like that flower set up at the beginning and it changes a few times a year. You guys familiar with that? So um, it's Christmas right now and it's like the best and it has like the best smell. And um, then you walk like 20 feet away and it smells like cigarettes you're like, where does this, like, I'm in a casino. Like, how how can, like, right here smell better than anything else in the world? And then, like, right here smell, like, worse than, like, the worst thing of anything in the world. But what I learned was they're, like, little gingerbread houses. And they have smoke coming out of the chimney. And the smoke coming out of the chimney is, like, a, is a smell. It's, like, Christmas smell. Those dogs. Right? That's what they did it. Brilliant. That's thing, Declan. You probably already knew that. No, definitely not. But it, I had an idea that it, that might be it, and I think that's sick. I think that's uh, – it's called focusing on the small details, and obviously Bellagio Corp was like, it smells like cigarettes in here. we got to find a way to spruce this up. And uh, they had to hide how they they uh, fragranced the place. Right? Why don't they put those gingerbread houses all over the casino? Right. So the whole casino smells like Christmas. Well, what's so what's this what's this uh, decoration budget looking like? I wonder at the Bellagio. It's got to be pretty big. We need more right? gingerbread houses. They, they have like um, that. What is it? Patchouli? Not patchouli. Who's that glass? That glass artist. My mom will be mad that I didn't know. 
you guys know? I did watch a glass blowing Netflix uh, show that was really good, and I feel like that name was mentioned. But I- okay, yeah, they have <laughs> they have. I mean, I feel like you're right. The Bellagio's budget is high enough that they can make it smell like Christmas throughout the whole building. Yeah, it yeah. should be. We don't, we don't know Especially if it is. This time right. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. Well, I appreciate uh, you sharing that with us because uh, you know I think the world just needs a little bit more better little. A little better smells in this world, and I think uh, <laughs> for the Bellagio's at the forefront of that. Uh, that's exciting stuff, man. But uh, no, but seriously, thank you for joining us. That was like a really uh, eye-opening and just like refreshing podcast and conversation, and uh, kind of just a nice data point or uh, moment in our history. I'm sure, like we'll see you very soon here, and our paths will cross, which will be great. Um, yeah. But I just think I gotta just really parade you for your um, back pocket answer. You know my. For example, like uh, our dads, Andrew, Andrew's dad and my dad, they listen to every podcast and they just say like consistently that whatever people say for their back, their answer to the back pocket question is always the thing that you always remember. And I will absolutely remember what you say. Just like kindness and empathy can just go so far. And I really, really appreciate you sharing that. And that's definitely something that I'm going to really stick to and um, utilize in my uh, difficult work scenarios that I'll probably encounter here uh, within 24 hours. So yeah, um, I really, really appreciate it. Honestly, Emily, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I know we jumped in so quickly at the beginning, literally and figuratively, um, but I didn't get to say thank you guys so much for this opportunity. I'm truly like honored that you, that I'm average enough to be included on this. Um, so <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's, it's great. Well, sweet. Um, Andy, anything else to add on your end, dude? No, that's everything. Um, those that are listening to the show, those that have made it this far, um, head to the link in our bio um, or in the description of this very podcast to donate to our fundraiser uh, for the Masonic Children's Hospital focusing on mental health this year. Um, and uh, if this isn't past uh, December 19th, uh, we are hosting an event at Embrace North, um, and we'll be live streaming us getting in and out of the cold tub um, for roughly an hour, uh, doing some fire and ice thing. Luis is going to be leading the way, Mr. Sauna Poppy, um, and then just enjoying the ice water. Uh, but that is a wrap here on the Back Pocket Podcast. Seeing double. Tell the whole squad out the back door, man, I think it's time to huddle. Yeah.